you haven't seen the Hello and welcome to another episode of FilmWise, otherwise known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. My name is Bubba Wheat, and here with me today is Nicholas Job. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. And today we'll be talking about a couple movies that uh, each of us haven't seen before. But first, why don't we get to know you a little bit better? Um, Why don't you go ahead and tell us about your site? My site is Your Face which can be found at www.yourfaceisa.com. Um, <clears throat> I run it with uh, two other fellas, Jason Soto and Nolan, and uh, we pretty much cover everything there. Uh, Nolan does a lot of cult classics. Jason does a lot of uh, horror and B-movies, uh, and he also has a series on James Bond. Yeah. And then... Uh, I cover everything under the sun. I do anything from classics to theatrical reviews, um, every genre, every decade. You know, I'll, I will watch it and review it. Um, I also have a podcast, which I uh, run with Kristen Lopez of Journeys in Classic Film, called uh, Your Face Has a Podcast or Facecast. And yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, I love that website address. It, it's worth yeah. type in. Um, and I, I have a handful of movie-related questions. So what are three movies that you've seen the most often and haven't gotten tired of yet? Uh, okay, well, first and foremost, obviously, uh, for anyone who really knows me, is Little Shop of Horrors, um, which is my favorite movie of all time. I'm talking the... 86 musical version, not the original uh, Roger Corman version. Yeah, I just listened to your podcast on that. It it was a fun listen. Yeah. Um, It's one I've loved since I was, like, a toddler. Um, (laughs) And uh, it never gets old. Then I would say probably Shaun of the Dead. Um, That's good. Yeah, I... um, Edgar Wright is basically my favorite director right now, mostly because uh, he's such a great writer, and he can direct his writing very well. Uh, And uh, I love what he does in his movies. They're very kinetic, very funny. Um, And so Shaun of the Dead never gets old for me. I like it more than Hot Fuzz, which a lot of people prefer Hot Fuzz. I think it depends on what sort of which genre you're you were more attached to, because yeah. I I wasn't a, a big fan of zombie movies. It's like I I know all the tropes of it, but I hadn't really watched, and, and I still haven't watched a whole lot. I've seen a, a few of the more modern ones, but I didn't connect that much with Shaun of the Dead. But I had seen a lot more buddy cop movies. So I connected a lot more with Hot Fuzz, and, and that's my favorite of the two, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Either way, I cannot wait for World's End, which should be coming out soon. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that as well, but it just seems like there's so many apocalypse movies yeah. right now, with This is the End, and Rapture Palooza, At World's End, World War Z. Yeah. The End of the World is a popular topic. But then I say maybe the third movie – third movie was tough, but I have to go with Spaceballs, mm. um, which I, I'm a huge fan of anything meta. So this is another one I grew up with. Uh, I love the comedy. It's To me, this movie is like comedy gold. It is one of the funniest movies, one of the most quotable movies for me, um, and just brilliantly done all around. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mel Brooks. Although I, I think my favorite would have to be uh, Men in Tights. Mm. I think that, for me personally, that that yeah. tops Spaceballs a little bit more. I think that that it's partially because I think Men in Tights was the first one of his that I've seen. Wow. Oh. 
Yeah, I've seen Men in Tights once, and it was a while back. Uh, it was pretty funny, but I think it's because I have the whole nostalgia factor with Spaceballs, because I grew up with it, um, that has me love it more than his others. Yeah, I've, I've even seen some of his kind of lesser quality ones. Like, uh, I know I saw Dracula Dead and Loving It in theaters. Mm. That's not one of his better ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, what is your favorite movie that you've only seen once? I would say uh, Double Indemnity, um, an old classic film. And I watched it. Uh, for if you don't know, my previous site, Random Ramblings, I would have been a doorknob. I did a couple over two years. I did a couple series, the sixty sixty and fifty fifty projects, where basically I I did what you're doing now, uh, watching all the movies you need to see, kind of things. Like, why haven't you seen this yet? Yeah. Um, and Double Indemnity was on there, and I watched it and totally fell in love with it it became one of my like top three or maybe even top two classic movies of all time like up there with 12 angry men which i also is was my favorite before that and uh yeah i I just watched 12 angry men uh, a couple weeks ago for this episode for this podcast and yeah uh, it's it is a really great movie it it I don't think it topped Casablanca as my favorite classic movie, but it came close. Yeah, I also I also saw Casablanca and it was all right. Um, <laughs> I I I understand the love for it and I liked it. Um, I didn't fall in love with it like a lot of people do. But anyway, so Double Indemnity, I actually even went out and bought it. Um, so I own it and I still only watch. I've seen it the once, so I really need to rewatch it. But uh, I. I loved that movie when I saw it. Yeah, I've I've heard about it a couple times recently. I, I, it feels like, but yeah, it's it's an interesting choice. And then, what is your favorite superhero movie? This was tough because I've seen a lot of superhero movies. I've even seen the like the '90s Fantastic Four that like mm-hmm. was never released. Yeah, uh, that, that that's yeah. an interesting one. Um. So yeah, I've seen a lot of superhero movies, but I, I'm kind of like a casual superhero movie fan where I really like them. Uh, some even love them, but I'm not like a huge super fan where like, um, like I have a huge favorite and like I follow that favorite and all that. So this was tough for me because I like a, I like and or love a lot of superhero movies on the same level. And it kind of came down to two. And I think I'm going to go with Chronicle. Mm, that's a good choice. Um, it was between that and Kick-Ass, which I'm actually really excited for Kick-Ass, too. I hope it's really good. Yeah, so am I. But I, I think I have to go with Chronicle, mostly because I loved the way it kind of followed the villain perspective more than the hero perspective. Um, yeah, Chronicle is is really a unique take on the super. On, I think both the superhero genre and also the found footage. Oh, definitely. I, yeah. I don't want to call it a genre, but that's just the easiest word. It, it's one of those things. It's like. There's no such yeah. thing as a found footage genre, just like animation isn't a genre. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, Chronicle is... It was in my top ten of the year. Um, I really loved Chronicle, so I, I think I'll go with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get the chance to, to see the extended cut on home video. I haven't had a chance to see it again yet. Yeah, you know what other superhero movie I love that nobody talks about is uh, Sky High. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's a that, fun one. It's it's like a fa- it's a family movie, but it's it's really fun. Yeah, I think it's funny because there the other one that came out about the same time was Zoom. And uh, I haven't seen that one. Well, it, a lot of people 
don't like it, but I thought Zoom was a lot of fun. In fact, of the two, I like Zoom better. But a lot of people think it's a much worse movie. The humor is, I think, more slapstick, and and it is a bit more scattered, but I love Tim Allen. Well, Sky High has uh, Bruce Campbell, so... Yeah, Sky High has has a lot of uh, actors that, that you would probably recognize. As especially like a lot of offbeat comedians, like a couple members of Kids in the Hall are on there, are in there too. It, it is a it's a good choice. It, it it's a fun movie. It, there's not a whole lot of family superhero movies, especially anymore. They're getting so much darker. Right. All right. And what would you say is your favorite genre of movies? Uh, well, like I was saying earlier, I really I watch everything. I could definitely tell you my least favorite, but <laughs> um, the, the kind of there, there's not really a name for it. It's kind of the the movie where it, it doesn't focus on plot or character, but it's all about the symbolism, you know, like the uh, Tree of Life and you know those kind of movies, like an art um, movie. Yeah, well, I wouldn't artsy like, for artsy's sake. Yeah, like art to the extreme, because uh, there are art movies that I like, um, but the ones that are just pure symbolism and stuff like that, I like almost abstract movies. Yeah, like abstract. Like I, I hate those. Uh, <laughs> I, I just can't get into them. I need to have either plot or a really strong character. And anyway, that's what I don't like. For my favorite. <sighs> Anything with fan like fantastic stuff, fantasy, sci-fi, horror, I, I really seek those out the most. Um, horror comedies like meta horror, Shaun of the Dead. So I, I would say like fantastical movies, pretty much. Nice. All right, and then finally, what would you say is your biggest film-wise a, a movie that you haven't seen yet that you think that you really want to or think you probably should? This is another difficult one because, like I was saying earlier, I did do those projects on my old site where I saw a ton of my, you know, film-wise. And so it really cut down on the list of movies I really needed and or wanted to see. Um, But I think one – and I I did make a list when I was trying to figure this out – um, and there are a few, like, really classic movies I still need to see. But the one that would have people freaking out the most that I, in particular, have not seen it was one that I brought up to you, uh, which is the original Superman, which uh, I would have talked about had someone else not just recently talked about it themselves. Right. That, and that was also on on my uh, 12th. 12... <laughs> right. With Jay Cluett, which he, he kind of gets a, a little bit of a pass since he is from England. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've not seen the uh, Christopher Reeves version of Superman, which Superman was never my he, – he's probably my least favorite superhero because he's just kind of boring to me. Yeah. Uh, he, he's not – I don't know. There's nothing about him that excites me. The Superman series is really a blind spot for me. I've seen Returns, Superman Returns. Of course, I would recommend seeing at least the first two Supermans. And if you can find it, I, I always suggest people to find out the Richard Donner cut of the second one mm-hmm. instead of the Richard Lester cut. I'm a big fan of that one, and yeah. I'll mention that to anyone Okay, and then let's go ahead and move on to the film that you had me see for the first time, which was Seven Samurai. Meet little Melvin. Everyone hated Melvin. They teased him. They taunted him. They tormented him until he had a horrifying accident. Transforming little Melvin. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it saved my life. <laughs> All right, everybody, drop your tacos or I'll blow your brains 
for incredible, explosive action you must see. Look out! 最後の公開 Alright, Seven Samurai.、Um, this could have been, had I not just watched it for this,、uh, rewatched it for this episode, could have been one of my favorite movies that I've only seen once, Answer. And this was another I watched for one of those projects. It's Akira Kurosawa, probably one of, if not his most famous and beloved films. The, it's three and a half hours long, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's a long sit.、Um, Yeah, the first I thought, time I watched, and I thought the Deer Hunter was long. <laughs> yeah,、uh, the first movie, or the first time I saw this movie, I watched it all the way through. This time I watched it in two. I watched half of it last night and half of it today. But anyway, the movie is has has kind of a really basic story for such an epic time length,、um, and it's these farmers are、uh, like. At least once or twice a year, these bandits come in and raid their little farm village and steal all their food and sometimes rape their women. And so one guy overhears the bandits talking, saying, okay, well,、uh, we'll come back when the barley ha-、uh, has been harvested and steal from them then. So they get the town meeting、uh, going and Like, okay, we, we can't have this anymore. We have to stop them.、Uh, so they go out to hire some samurai to bring them back and help protect their village. But the trick is, samurai are a very proud people who will not work for just like rice and food.、Um, they'll want like money and、uh, more higher material things.、Um, So they have a task ahead of them in finding some samurai. They find one guy and he helps them find six more because he says they will need seven samurais to pull off this task. So they eventually get together, bring them back to the village,、um, prepare the village for this attack, and then finally have the hour long、uh, movie time battle. Yeah, in a nutshell.、Uh, before going into this movie, what I knew about it、uh, was basically just the, the bare bones structure of it. Just that it, it was the seven samurai defending a village, and that was about it. Like, I, I know,、yeah. I know、uh, Kira Kurosawa's name, although I haven't, I, I know he's very influential, especially. In, like, the spaghetti westerns. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of his movies were remade. Yojimbo was remade as,、uh, what was it? Was it A Fistful of Dollars?、Um, I'm not sure. And then this one was remade as The Magnificent Seven. It is Magnificent Seven, Seven. yeah.、Um, yeah, a, a handful of his movies were remade as, as westerns. So, yeah, and he's. Not only influential as,、uh, in that genre, but in just cinema today, he was the first director to do quite a few things. And,、uh, his films are, well, not all of them, because he has a pretty big filmography, but he has a lot of very,、uh, damn near perfect movies. Yeah, I know that another one that I've been wanting to see is Rashomon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I,、um, I've seen that one two or three times,、uh, and I've read the two short stories that it's based on. That's another really, really good one. And also, that one also co-stars,、uh, Toshiro Mifune,、uh, Mifune, who was one of the main characters in this.、Um, the, he was the, the wild samurai, the one who just acts all、yeah. immature. The,、uh, the farmer's son. Yeah, the, the one who doesn't know his name. Yeah, and they, he, has, he has the stolen scroll that he claims was his name at the bottom. Yeah, the, and he has the huge sword. <laughs> yeah.、Um, who, by the way, I think is the highlight of this film.、Uh, he and 
Kurosawa filmed a number of movies together. Uh, they're a director-actor pair who work together often, and uh, he's always a, a pretty strong highlight of every movie that, that he's in. Um, and here he has a really strong character going from the kind of very immature um, wannabe warrior, uh, very prideful, to, like, I don't know, the honorable avenging samurai. Yeah. Yeah, I thought out of the seven samurai, there were really only four of them that that had a strong personality. Yeah, Yeah. I was going to bring that up, too. Um, Uh, Of course, the, the the main samurai, and then... That even though I didn't really connect with him too much, he gets a lot of screen time. The young one that that never really gets to do anything. Oh, the the apprentice. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and the uh, the really the honorable one. Uh, the, the the silent badass. That's what I call him. Yeah. He's a. It's like I I pretty much don't remember any of their names. Yeah, I I don't either. Yeah, it's that's kind of the only downside of this movie. Not the names, but the fact that you have so many characters. Yeah, you have so many characters. Uh, You have seven samurai and one apprentice because the apprentice is not one of the seven. Um, I I thought he was considered one of the seven. No, because the main guy wouldn't let him be a part of it. Um, well, I thought he that wasn't... that's what they said at first, but then I thought the other one of the other samurais convinced him. Maybe I thought there were no because there weren't there because there was four graves, but there was just at the end there was just the main guy, his friend, and the apprentice. Yeah, but then wasn't there one guy down in the fe- in the rice fields, or was that not one of the samurai? I think that was one of the farmers. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, yeah maybe he and, was. And besides, yeah, and besides the seven samurai, there's also like four or five different farmer characters. Yeah, and one of the daughters. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's, I'd, I'd say, of the samurai, there's the Toshiro Mifune character, the leader, the silent badass, and the kid, and then the friend of the main guy and then like two more that there's they the, don't yeah there's the woodchopper kind of his name was yeah. i actually remember his name was Haihachi. yeah and then the other one was uh he was like the was he the funny one cuz he's like the no, Haihachi which is the funny one because he was the first one to die yeah no the other one yeah. <sighs> and whenever he dies they said i that he was supposed to be the one to keep uh, our humor up and now he's gone. And, yeah, he's the yeah he's the one who was supposed to keep our spirits up in hard times, and things are just starting to get hard, or something like that. Um, who was the other? One? Oh, the other one was the guy that uh, they bring out of the woods. <laughs> so basically, they, those were like the first two to die. Yeah, the other um, thing I think is really interesting is that most of the samurai actually die from the three guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember um, if all of them do, or th- I know three of them do. I can't remember if the fourth one also did. Um, the silent badass does because that's when Toshiro Mifune goes to avenge him, and then he gets shot. Those are the only two I can remember. And well, the the first one he gets shot. Yeah. Whenever they uh, raid the uh, the bandits' fortress. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Which I that was that was something that completely surprised me because I, I didn't know that there was going to be any guns because I, I thought this movie took place before guns had been introduced. Oh yeah. And then it's like he falls over and you hear a loud bang, mm-hmm. and I had no idea for a little while. I had no idea what exactly happened to him eventually realized that he had got shot right and then they make the the big deal about how they have three guns yeah and then i love the 
two scenes. They're pretty close to each other. The first where the, the silent badass goes, he's like, I'll get the gun. I'll get a gun. <laughs> and he just like runs into the woods yeah. and he's there all night. And then he just walks back, hands a gun over and like goes to sit down and go to sleep. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, I killed two of them. Yeah, he's like, yeah, there's two more down. Um, and then they're just like staring at him in awe. And then the other one, Tashiro Mafune goes and, uh, he tries to be just like him and get another gun, but he pretends to be one of the bandits and just like sits down and has a conversation <laughs> with one of the guys. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a great scene. And that's one thing that really surprised me the first time I saw this movie. There's a lot of nice comedy in this. Uh, uh that it, it's not just like this straight up, you know, depressing drama. Um, there's romance, uh, there's comedy. It, it's a good mix of, of genre. Yeah, even though I, I didn't really feel the romance was very strong in this. Yeah, the romance was probably the weakest aspect. Um, I think it was more there thematically because you have the idea that they were all scared samurais were going to come in and rape all their women. So one of the farmers cuts his daughter's hair to make her look like a man. And uh, during a uh, misconception or something, uh, the young apprentice samurai falls in love with her. Katsushiro and, is, is the young is the young samurai's name. Yeah, and he and Shino uh, is the daughter. Shino, yeah, and they they kind of fall in love with each other, but have to keep it secret because the dad is like freaking out about all the samurai. Um, and of course, it all kind of comes to a head at the climax of the movie. So I think it was more there for dramatic purposes than to actually have like a solid romance. So in that aspect, I think it worked. Uh, it worked more for the drama than the actual romance of it. Right. Yeah, it, it does add a, a little bit of the, the dramatic tension, especially towards the end. We, we haven't really said this yet. What did you think about the overall movie? Um, overall, I could definitely tell that it was a, a well-done movie. It took me a long time to get into it, though. Because I, I think I've, I wasn't really into it until about the, the second half of the movie. To me, it was, it's kind of the opposite. Where, um, for a three and a half hour movie, it, it's very nicely paced. It moves really fast. I love the first hour where they're hunting, they're, they're trying to find their seven, their group of seven. Um, that whole part of the movie is just really fun to me because they're just – you see these little battles and uh, the little parts where they try to hit them over the head with wood. <laughs> uh, and uh, like I love that whole part of the movie. And then, of course, I love the end of the movie, the, the last hour where it's uh, the battle and – them trying to protect the village um to me where where it kind of slows down is in the middle um yeah when when they're making all the preparations for the battle yeah they're just kind of like mapping out the village and uh getting to know the villagers the farmers um and just kind of just talking to each other and and it's all planning and I mean, there's interesting stuff. Like, this is where the romance is starting to build up, and you're you're getting to know the the farmers and their stories and their characters. Like, you have the one character who gets mad whenever they bring up him needing a wife, <laughs> and you later fi- you later find out it's because the bandits actually kidnapped his wife. And I actually I got I got the impression. Well, maybe they they might have initially kidnapped her. But it seemed like she was with them now. Oh, yeah. Um, because whenever she saw her husband, she didn't, like, rush out to him. She went 
back into the burning building. Unless maybe that's, you know, that's maybe, uh, one of those Japanese culture uh, honor things. Yeah, that's, I would, I would maybe lean more towards that, um, than her becoming a bandit. Um, it's almost, cause a movie about samurai is gonna have a lot of themes about honor. Um, so it, it's almost definitely probably an honor thing. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the middle part of the movie is not bad. It's just a lot slower than the first hour and the last hour. Um, at, at least to me. Yeah, I, I did, I did enjoy a lot of the, the recruiting scenes that, finding each of the, the seven, the six other samurai, like the, the Haihachi chopping the wood. Yeah. Was a fun little scene. And, and of course the, the duel with, with the silent badass. Yeah. The duel was, it's a pretty great moment. Um, and, and it has, it has one of those scenes that has been mimicked in almost every samurai anime ever since the, where they go after each other and then there's like the four seconds of them standing still and you and don't know who falls won. over. Yeah. yeah one falls over. Although in anime, it's usually one gets sliced in half. Right. <laughs> Blood spurts everywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like we were saying, Akira Kurosawa is very uh, influential in a lot of different ways. So yeah, there's there's a lot to love about this movie, in my opinion. Um, I think the second time, I liked it slightly less than I did the first time, only because I think the first time it was so new and so awe-inspiring to me from what I was watching and the second time I knew what I was getting going in. So I was able to kind of pick a few things apart. Um, mm-hmm. like the, like the little romance aspect, um, or, or kind of the slow pace of the middle part of the movie. So do you have any final thoughts about seven samurai? I think it's one people should definitely need to see whether, whether or not like black and white, Japanese samurai <laughs> movies are like what you're into. Um, For a lot of people, it, it it's got a lot of strikes against it. Like it, it's in Japanese, so it's subtitled, and it's in black and white. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a strike for a lot of people, which is really sad. Um, and it's three and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, this is like a nightmare movie for. I don't know, 85% of Americans. Even though um, it, it, so many people are complaining recently about all these epic length movies like right. Man of Steel and Lone Ranger and Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I mean, but this is like, Seven Samurai is considered one of the greatest movies of all time. It is hailed as a masterpiece by many. And so, I mean, it, it's so influential in a lot of ways. Akira Kurosawa is a director that everyone needs to see at least, you know, a few of his films at minimum. And Seven Samurai is definitely one of those to see. So, yeah, I I recommend watching it. Um, it is a fantastic movie. It, I don't think it's perfect anymore. I the first time I saw it, I thought it was pretty damn perfect. Um, but now I kind of see a few issues here and there. But it's still really, really good. And I, I definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I agree. It, it was worth watching for sure. It has a lot of elements in it where I can see the influence. So it's, it's nice to see where this came where a lot of these things came from originally. <laughs> but at the same time, it it hasn't been one of my favorites. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can, and I can, I can get that. I can understand that. Like, it's not going to be a movie for everyone, but it's one that I think everyone should see. Okay, I think that wraps up Seven Samurai. We are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will talk about the movie that I had Nick watch for the first time, The Toxic Avenger. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Do you like movie podcasts hosted by inebriated people? That's Kai with the cracking voice and Heather's touched by evil. One thinks he's Spider-Man, the other is a ninja. It's the Man I Love Film Podcast, it's the MILFcast. Hey everybody, I'm Kai. And I'm Heather. And we are the host of MILFcast, the Man I Love Films podcast, the unofficial official podcast of manilovefilms.com. This is the podcast where we like to talk about what we've been watching, talk about movies, but mainly we just like to drink, be silly, and play a whole bunch of games. So we think every other week you should grab a drink, snuggle up, and let us make sweet love to your ears. Otherwise... We'll make sweet love to your couch. So come and find us on iTunes. Just search for MILFcast. So the movie I had Nick watch for the first time is The Toxic Avenger, the 1984 trauma movie that really kick-started their entry in, in becoming a big name in B-level horror movies. Before this, they were mostly known for their B-movie comedies. And this is about a uh, a janitor named Melvin, who's this 90-pound weakling geek, and he gets or he jumps into a, a a barrel of toxic waste, and he becomes this hideously mutated giant beast of a man that goes around killing evil people in a very horror-esque way with a, a lot of practical blood and gore effects. And the this is far and away a B-movie. There are no big-name actors in it. There are no... Some people might argue that there are no actors in it. <laughs> <laughs> Because everybody plays up their role as as big as they can, and there's big, there's over the top, and there's the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, and that's that's still understating it. But um, it, and and I will say that I I may have seen this when I was younger. It may have been one of the sequels. Uh, but I did not really remember anything about this movie at all. So this is kind of a first watch for me as well. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and tell me what you thought of the movie? Um, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, <clears throat> I've known about this movie since I was a little kid. Like I remember seeing it in the video store, uh, like going to rent it. Or when I was going to rent movies, I would always see it there and like all of its sequels. Um, I remember really vaguely like the cartoon show that spun off from it. Yeah, I, uh, I think I watched the cartoon as well. Uh, the uh, Toxic Avengers. Yeah. But I, I love like we, we talked at the beginning of the episode, my favorite genres. Um, I love horror movies, B movies, uh, and like horror comedies, and this is very much a <laughs> horror comedy. That being said, when it comes to B movies, I'm much more of a fan of, say, The Asylum than Troma. The difference between the two, if you don't know, is Troma seems to be very like wacky for wacky sake like they, <laughs> they are they throw in a lot of cartoonish sound effects yeah it's very cartoonish very wacky um like it's boobs blood and you know like anything they can throw in because they like they want to throw it in there boobs blood the and bozos yes <laughs> on the other hand you have the asylum 
which makes bad movies and they know they're making bad movies, but they try to make the bad movies as awesome as possible. Like they put their heart into making those movies. Uh, whereas trauma, they try to make bad movies, but they make them bad. And so I think it's the asylum are more entertaining because of that. Like they're, they still want to be good movies, even though they're terrible, which gives it kind of a level of irony. <laughs> um, and the toxic Avenger is just, I don't know. Like the funny, the greatest joke to me in the toxic Avenger is probably the one that's the most subtle, which is his voice. Um, he has a very kind of like Futurama reference here, Zap Brannigan voice. Not sophisticated, but very different from what what he eloquent appears. maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's hard to explain. Just think of like a Zap Brannigan kind of thing, where uh, Zap Brannigan without the snark, right? Um, and that's how he speaks, which I thought was hilarious. Um, See that that was kind of that was one thing that bothered me mostly because the the sound quality was so bad that it never sounded like it was coming out of his body. Right, and whenever they did show him talk, it was a different voice. Yeah, and I think it, there was also a disconnect because the voice sounded so different than all the sound effect like growls and snarls that they used. Yeah, but that, like you were saying, the acting in this is so insanely over the top. <laughs> um, oh my! Like my the, I think my favorite is is Bozo. <laughs> Just how he's, I'm getting stressed. Yeah, I need to drive. <laughs> but I, I will say that th- this movie had me laughing quite a bit. Like I don't watch a ton of like like I don't think I've seen any asylum movies yet. I, I may have seen maybe a, a movie that could be considered asylum quality. Uh, although I, I can't think of off the top of my head which one it would be. Um, have you seen like you know Snakes on a Plane? Nah. Um, it, that, that's not asylum, but that's the kind of movie. Asylum would make where it's just like it's ridiculous, but they try to make it cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've seen a handful of asylum movies and uh, they're all bad, but they're most of the time pretty fun. Yeah, I, I don't think they've I don't think they've made too many actual superhero spoofs. I, I think they did like a Thor one, maybe. Yeah. It's mostly like sci-fi and right, like horror. Yeah, um, horror and sci-fi stuff. Uh, but oh man, what what can you say about the Toxic Avenger? It's just <laughs> um, and for for a like a quote-unquote superhero where the poster has him like holding a mop. He doesn't really use the mop that often as a weapon. No, he just uses it at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like he kills them, and then he just shoves the mop in their face. Right. Um, yeah, and his outfit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they the, have the, the pink polka dotted thing that with the uh, yeah two two the pink polka dotted onesie with except the, it gets burnt, so it's not really pink anymore. It's black. Yeah, and the the frilly tutu, which most of it is burnt off. Um, yeah, it's it's just so silly. Um, <laughs> and then and then his blind girlfriend is taking yes. a, taking a page from the thing, and and she plays the most ridiculous blind person I've ever seen. But it made me laugh so much. Yeah. And just her eyes would just be darting around constantly, and it's just some of the worst blind jokes. Like, she has a wall full of canes. 
Yeah, it's like, let me get my cane, and then she reaches up, and there's, like, 50 of them. And, like, they all fall down, and she's like, oopsie. Uh, but, I don't know, it's, it makes me laugh. <laughs> I think that's the best thing I can say about this movie. For the for most of it, it, it did make me laugh. Yeah, it didn't quite make me laugh. Um, I, I maybe smirked. Uh, at some of the stuff, because, I mean, it was goofy. Um, it was so weird <laughs> with, with the the odd gay characters. Like, uh, Nipples. <laughs> <laughs> His name I is love... Nipples. The black I, guy the... with the full beard and the blonde yeah. wig and the high-pitched voice. Yeah, and then there's the two gay guys at the gym. Mm. And they would, like, randomly show up throughout the movie. Those two guys were hilarious. <laughs> I loved those two guys. Um, yeah, and the black guy with the wig, the, the blonde wig, he was funny, too. Um, I, I will say, those, like, those characters were hilarious. But, the, like, the main bad guys, because, I mean, we haven't really talked much about the actual story. <laughs> uh, if you can call it that. Um Basically, the you you have the janitor who's been bullied uh, yeah. and, and by he's, he's everyone. A complete mental case too. It's, yeah, it's like he uh, he dips the the dirty mop into the hot tub, mopping uh, well, people's faces. And... Right. Uh, you have these four friends who are all psychotic. Um, they're basically these hit and run serial killers, um, and and they assign points to pedestrians yeah they're hit and run they they hit and run pedestrians specifically right and they and there's points allotted to like kids on bikes or elderly under 12 yeah and uh i mean the one they only get the points if they actually kill them right not if they just injure them uh, like the one scene with the kid on the bike, like they run him over and he, they realize he's not dead. So they like back up and squish his head. Um, and then the girls get out and start taking pictures <laughs> and they like get hot over seeing the pictures. And it's bizarre like, to say yeah, that. Yeah. It's really bizarre. And so they're one of our, antagonist and then you have was it the mayor of tromaville yeah he's the mayor and uh obese uh, crime lord right and uh, he sets it up where he wants the the toxic avenger taken care of like killed because he first off because he took out his two biggest producers uh, right and the other guy Right. And then there's that weird little subplot where the Avenger kills like this little old lady. <laughs> but it turned it turns and she's out she's an she actual was... little old lady because she is a little person. Yeah. Um <laughs> and she was what was she in charge of again? I can't remember. Uh, what the... <laughs> she was in charge of she was running a white slave trade. Yeah, white, white <laughs> slave trade, yeah. It's just those and, little details that it's like it's not – it's a white slave trade. Yeah, white slave trade run by like an old midget woman. <laughs> it, it, I mean it's just bizarre. Um, and yeah, and so – but like nobody knows that. So they thought he just killed like an innocent woman. And so he, he tried as well. Yeah, so which is weird because apparently one of his superpowers is that he can detect evil people without realizing it. Yeah, so the mayor tries to turn the town against him and start riots and stuff and just try to bring him in. And yeah, so it's just basically a lot of after he becomes the Toxic Avenger, it's just that's about as deep as the plot gets. And, and of course, there we ha- we also haven't talked about the fact that he does start making a name for himself. They they call him they never ta- they never use the word Toxic Avenger in the movie. Right. At all. They call him the Monster Hero. Yeah. Because it, 
they can tell that he's he's only killing the as they call it evil people and they even have a scientist <laughs> with a uh, german accent to to uh discuss the the monster and he says that since he's only since so far he's only killed evil people then we can conclude that he is only going to kill evil people yeah now he was was he the guy who was like the nazi no that that's that's a different german, <laughs> german character yeah doing, doing his whole uh take on the the strange love character kind of because he he would anytime he would salute the mayor he would give the nazi salute and you see him clicking his heels one time towards the end yeah but there there isn't quite so much of like the the peter sellers trying to to hold it back mm-hmm. he just kind of goes for it for the most part yeah, and then there's the the group of people that he saved, like the Irish cop. And right. <laughs> there and there's that scene where the Irish cop is at the ice cream parlor, surrounded by kids, and they're all eating ice cream, talking about the how the national guard is about to go after the the monster hero, and they need to do something about it because he hasn't hurt anybody. Well, it hasn't hurt anybody good. He's saved people. <laughs> But by the end of the movie, I was just like, okay, I've seen that now. And it is so so weird to me. I mean, coming from seeing so many superhero movies, that to go to go into this, and it really has a it really has like horror movie style gore to it. <laughs> and. For all the the people that the toxic Toxic Avenger kills, like I, I think the closest comparison would be like the Punisher, as far yeah. as the movies go, like Punisher and Punisher Warzone to to get that level of blood and gore. Right. Yeah, it's 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 not even close to like the goriest movie I've ever seen. But uh, actually, <laughs> to be honest, I. I don't even remember that much blood and gore in this movie. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I know it. It's there. Because it's a trauma movie. Um, but, well, there's, yeah. Uh, there's several, like, four or five heads that get crushed. Right. And then, <laughs> and then the, the scene in the, uh, the... I guess it's a, a taco joint slash pizza place. Yeah. That has samurai swords hanging on the wall. Yeah. And he uh, rips the the black guy, Leroy. He rips Leroy's arm off and starts beating him with it. Oh, yeah. And then (laughs) he he doesn't – wasn't it Leroy didn't realize his arm was missing for a while? He was (laughs) just kind (laughs) of – And then he looks over at his stump that's spurting blood. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean there's just – the Toxic Avenger is definitely one of those movies that's like it's for a certain group of people, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that, I mean, the the scenes that we talked about would find that horrifying or in bad taste, mm-hmm. but but the right kind of people would see the humor and the absurdity of it, right? Yeah, like I did. I saw the I saw the the comedy to it and and what they were going for. I I just think overall like the comedy of the movie wasn't exactly my style. It was too in your face for me. Yeah, a little too cartoony and slapsticky and I think a lot of it is just is from all all the actors that are just just going so far beyond what right. they need to do to get the point across. Yeah, like, for those of you listening, if you've not seen The Toxic Avenger, when we're saying, like, they go above and beyond <laughs> in their acting, like, you have no idea, <laughs> like, how over-the-top these... I mean, 
I've seen a lot of over-the-top acting. Like, even in movies like this where it's supposed to be just crazy and over-the-top, this is, like, in the top two <laughs> most insanely over-the-top I have ever seen. It's like Melvin at the beginning. I mean, his it's it's like a cat. It's almost like they cast most of the cast as um, early '90s Jim Carrey. They get that <laughs> amount of facial expressions. It's they're yeah. all like rubber faces and just completely Ace Ventura-ing it up. Yeah, and then some. Right. Yeah, but as as something different, like like I definitely had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah, it's kind of funny how uh, this episode kind of panned out, where uh, like (laughs) we both liked our movies more than the ones (laughs) that we challenged each other for. Yeah, and it's always it's always interesting to to come up with a movie that you think the other person will like. Sometimes it works out great, and sometimes it doesn't. And and to be fair, Toxic Avenger, like, of the list of of superhero movies that I have not seen, this was probably at the top of the list that it was, like, most likely I would love. (laughs) And, uh... Like, it's definitely the type of movie I would really get into. Uh, but it was just, like like we've been saying, it was too in-your-face with the comedy, like, too over-the-top. Um, I needed a little more kind of subtlety from it. Do you think if you had seen this maybe ten years ago, you would have liked it better? Maybe. Um, maybe even longer than that. Like, maybe when I was a kid... Um, I might have liked it more too, um, because it's very like it's not a kid-friendly movie at all. <laughs> Even though but, they did make it into a kids' cartoon, right? Which they, um, they've done with some weird choices, like they made Rambo into a kids' cartoon. They, they even made Tales from the Crypt into a kids' cartoon. Yeah, I remember that. They made Little Shop of Horrors into a kids' cartoon. <laughs> It didn't last very long. Um, yeah, none of those did. Yeah. Uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes was a cartoon. I loved that cartoon. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so yeah, to- Toxic Avenger, like, I think if I would have seen it when I was young, like, one of those I kind of snuck behind my parents and watched, um, I, it, it might have kind of a nostalgic factor for me, but as it is, having seen so many, so many other B movies since then, uh, since this, and so many kind of wacky, you know, asylum trauma type movies, um, it just kind of fall flat for me. Yeah, I could see that. But for me, coming like I, I haven't seen a ton of B movies, although I do enjoy them. Like I, I enjoy, I, I really enjoyed like Flash Gordon and Masters of the Universe, and I think this falls pretty closely in in line with those. I, I mean, it's it's a lot more, as we keep saying, over the top, especially with the acting and the the cartoonish maybe childish humor right but it it's a lot of fun especially if you know what you're getting into yeah i think that about does it for this episode of film wise why don't you go ahead and remind everyone where they can find you online all right you can find me at your face which is at www.yourfaceisa.com Alright, and I am Bubba Wheat, and as always, you can find this at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can search FilmWise at Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat, and you can email me, BubbaWheat, at msn.com. I would love to hear any sort of comments, feedback, good, bad, or otherwise you'd love to give me. And if you want to find out what we will be watching next week, 
go ahead and listen through to the end for the mashup trailer. Until next time. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here. Hey, there's a dude just like a superhero out there fighting a bunch of guys. Who are you? Jack. Jack? Jack! They told me one guy killed eight of my men tonight? What's going on here? Is this some kind of magic? The darkest magic. Oh, that kind of hurt. Yeah. I think I'm in love with her, dude. My only superpower oh. was being invisible to girls. Let's see what you can do. I was born ready. Oh, yeah. Didn't see that, did you?